Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to have you join our worship today. And today we are celebrating our Trinity Annual Conference Sunday. On this special Sunday, it has been our tradition for the last several years where our pastors from our 21 track churches exchange pulpits with one another. Well, the purpose is actually to allow our congregation of all our 21 churches at track to have the opportunity to listen to the preaching of our other pastors from our annual conference. Well, this year, however, we're making an exception. Instead of having our pastors exchange pulpits with one another, the leadership at track decided that, you know, it would be good for me as your newly elected president to preach on this conference Sunday, since many of you from our 21 track churches may not be too familiar with me. And so I wish to take this opportunity to thank our track leadership as well as our 21 churches, pastors and leaders for giving me this opportunity to preach to all of you today. Well, my sermon text for today is taken from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 8. Now, I will not read the scriptures now, but I will do so later in the sermon. So before we go any further, will you please join me right now to commit this time of listening to God's word in prayer? Come, let us pray. Father, we come before you this day. We thank you again for this great opportunity that we could worship you together, Lord, as a church, as your family. And now, even as we continue to worship you through the listening of your word, we pray once again that your spirit would just fall upon each of us here. Help us to listen and pray also, Lord, that you will use this occasion to speak to us and give us a word personally. And so thank you once again for everything as we commit your preacher hiking behind your cross, and let Jesus and Jesus only be glorified. Amen. You know, in the year 1985, a young man, man, aged 25 years old, was summoned by a little church in Singapore to attend an extraordinary general meeting. Little did he realize that what happened next was going to shake his entire world. You see, on that fateful day of the meeting, he was surprised to be singled out from the congregational meeting and summoned to stand in front of his senior pastor with a group of elders and with four other young people. The next surprise that shock, the shock that he received was he was charged by the senior pastor for leading secret meetings in the church and for leading other young people in that little church astray. But the most serious charge that was leveled against the young man from the senior pastor was the charge that he was a false prophet. You know, that young man was in a complete state of shock and surprise. But the greatest shock and surprise was when he looked at his leaders and elders who had oversight over him to support and defend him as all the allegations that was leveled against him were untrue. At last. None of them stood up and none of them spoke up for him. As he stood there that evening, he felt so hurt, so betrayed by their silence, that he was just too stunned to respond to all the allegations that were leveled against him. Eventually, he was asked to leave that little church. You know, sometimes personal misfortune and tragedy overtakes us and the ill circumstances of life buffet us like this young man. One moment, everything in life seems to be going well and the next, before you know it, 
everything comes crashing down and you experience the reversals in your life situations. You know, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, even as I speak right now, there may be some of you who are here with us today worshipping. You know, you are experiencing these life reversals, just as I have described. You know, perhaps it has to do with your careers, your business as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic. Or maybe it has to do with a debilitating sickness that has stricken you or your loved ones. Or yet for others, it is perhaps the angel of death who snatches a loved one away from you. You see, in all these life reversal moments, our faith is sometimes shaken to the core and we wonder why these things happen to us. And sometimes we earnestly and sincerely pray and it seems as if our prayers have fallen on deaf ears. Our requests are either denied or the answer is being delayed and we feel frustrated, we feel forsaken. And so in such times, you know, we wonder if God cares for us. We wonder if God still has a plan for us. Now, if these are the wonderings you have today, well, my friends, let me encourage you to hang on there because I believe God has a word for you today. You know, as we face what we consider to be the great contradictions and reversals of life, I just want to remind us again that we must never, never forget that there is a divine timetable and a divine way of writing whatever that has gone wrong in our lives. And therefore, no matter what happens to you, especially with this COVID-19 pandemic, no matter what you see, no matter what you read, no matter what you have experienced, I want us to be reminded of this fact. And that is, God has a plan for you and for me. And to help us today, you know, I'd like to revisit this familiar biblical story of a man who lived more than 3,500 years ago, a man called Joseph. You see, our story begins a long time ago in the land of Canaan where there lived a man by the name of Jacob who had 12 sons. And among the 12 sons, there was one who was named Joseph, whom Jacob loved more than all his other sons. You see, jo Joseph was born when Jacob was about 91 years old. But more importantly, Joseph was the first son birthed by his beloved and favorite wife, Rachel, whom he loved more than all his other wives who had also given birth to other children. And so of all his children, Joseph was his favorite. And we were told that as a token of his affection for Joseph, he gave Joseph a multicolored coat. Now, as a result of what he had done, it caused Joseph's brothers to resent Joseph and they became jealous of him. You know, I think it is important for us to note, you know, that Jacob the father was not denying his other sons anything in order to do something special for his son, Joseph. Because for each of his sons, Jacob had provided sufficient food, clothing, and shelter for all their needs. Neither was Joseph, you know, in a sense, a threat to his brother's places in Jacob's heart or the legacy that he would leave behind as there was really sufficient livestock, money, and land to go around. And each of his son, by order of their birth, they all had legal rights to their father's possessions. And yet, and yet, despite all these, Joseph's brothers resented their father's affection and gift to their little brother, 
Joseph. You know, one of the important lessons that we can learn early from this relational family situation is this, and that is, you know, you and I can have our share of blessing and we can still be jealous of the blessing that God gives to another child of God. And that's the truth. You see, we can have our place in the kingdom and still be jealous of what we see being done for others. We can bless with talents, you know, sufficient for the job that we've been doing or called to do. And we can still be jealous when, you know, another one seems to have more, they are more multi-talented or multifaceted than us. We can know and testify, you know, to God's goodness and care for us. And still, we can be jealous and resentful when God seems to bless someone else with a little bit more or in a different way than God blesses us. You know, a case in point is the story of Bill Gates. Now, all of you know who Bill Gates is, isn't it? He's a tech icon, a genius, and one of the world's wealthiest persons. Now, and I'm pretty sure that none of us, none of us could ever imagine that Bill Gates could be jealous of anyone. But you know what? In an interview that was done last year, in August 2020, with Dex Rendell, who hosted Armchair Expert, a podcast that interviews celebrities, journalists, and academics about their lives. You know, Bill Gates revealed to Dex Rendell, you know what? He was jealous of Steve Jobs. Are you surprised? I don't know, but I am. Now, let me quote you the words that were posted online by what, of what Bill Gates, Bill Gates said of Steve Jobs. And this is what he said, quote, he was such a wizard at over-motivating people. I was a minor wizard, so I couldn't fall under his spells. But I could see him casting the spells, and then I would look at the people and see them mesmerized. I was jealous. Unquote. You know, this is a good illustration of how you know we can have our share of blessing in life, and we can still be jealous of the blessing that God gives to another person. And we need to be very, very careful in how we handle the jealousies in our lives. Because if we are not careful, if we are not careful, you know what? Jealousy can destroy us as well as others. And we will see that in a moment in Joseph's story. And so let me continue with Joseph's story. You know, we were told that one of the habits of Joseph was that he had this habit of dreaming strange dreams and then telling his brothers about them. And so one day, what happened was this, he had a dream. In that dream, he dreamt that he and his brothers were binding sheaves in the field. And then suddenly, his sheaves stood upright while the rest bowed down to it. And then, on another occasion, he also had another dream where he saw the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowing down to him. You know, when Joseph told his brothers about his dreams, their resentment Increase because they knew exactly what Joseph's dreams meant. And that was that all of them was one day going to bow down before him. You know, here's another lesson that we can learn from this account of Joseph. And that is that one must be very careful in sharing one's visions and dreams with others. Listen, young people, you know, if you want to be something in life, if you want to go to places and do things, 
you must be very careful about those things that you share, with whom you share your dreams, with whom you share your visions. You see, people who don't see visions or have dreams, people whose main concerns is protecting their own turf and doing the same old things over and over again, I tell you, they will not understand your dream. And not only will they not understand your dream, they will resent you for what you believe, what they believe is your arrogance, your impetuousness, your, the foolishness of your dreams. And you know what? Jealousy and resentment are terrible diseases because they can cause us to think, to say, and do some terrible things. And this was what exactly happened to Joseph. You see, one day what happened was this. When his brothers were in the fields in Doton, watching over the flocks, Joseph visited them. And when his brothers saw him at a distance, you know, the resentment and the jealousy within them built in their hearts. And then they said to one another in Genesis chapter 17, verse 19 to 20. And this is what they said. They says this, here comes the dreamer. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we will see what comes of his dreams. Now, this is what jealousy and resentment can do to us. You see, jealousy and resentment are terrible diseases because they can cause us to think, say, and do some terrible things. You know, this reminds me of a very sad and tragic story that appeared in our local street times about a month plus, to be precise, on the 23rd of September this year, 2021. This is a story of Si Chehun, a 69-year-old man who was sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of his ex-wife, Lo Hui Giao. And the murder took place at the ITE campus at Ang Mo Kyo on the 19th of July, 2018. And according to this news report, the reason for Sid's killing of his wife was because of jealousy and resentment that had built over 10 years because of an alleged infidelity of his wife and her refusal to compensate, compensate him, you know, for her, her alleged infidelity. You know, what is saddest for me is to read his note to his daughter, which was recorded in the Street Times. And let me read that for you. Cool. Daddy hoped to see you for one last time this coming weekend or next, as I have numbered my days. You may not forgive me for what I'm going to do, but it is my decision after these 10 years of soul searching every day. I took your mummy away for hurting daddy, breaking up my, our family, and not returning my CPF money. Uncle. You know, this is really a sad story of how if we are not careful in dealing with the jealousy and the resentment you know, in, in our lives, this can spill over to hurt other people and even ourselves, and it will result in serious and disastrous consequences. You know, as we return to the story of Joseph, you know, we were told that Reuben, the eldest brother, thankfully intervened and objected to his brother's intention, the foul idea of killing Joseph. And so instead, eventually what happened, they decided they will sell Joseph into slavery. And they will spread this animal blood on Joseph's multicolored coat and then will take it back to his father and lie to their father Jacob that a wild beast had killed their little brother Joseph. 
And so as we look at this scene down here, this story down here, when Joseph's brothers sold him, they assumed, they assumed that they had forever rid themselves of this little pest, their pesky brother, Joseph. However, however, what they didn't know was that God had a plan for Joseph's life. You see, in the act of treachery and deceit, God was laying the foundation for his plan and purposes for Joseph's life. Joseph, you need the object of his father's love, the victim of his brother's jealousy and resentment. You know, Joseph's only crime was being a dreamer amid, you know, all his non-dreaming brothers. And so Joseph was taken to Egypt. And then he was sold again. And this time, Potiphar, a captain in the Egyptian army. You know, when Joseph was sold, how old was he? He was only 17 years old. At the age of 17 years old, Joseph lost everything in his life. Life was in the reversal for him. And life was out of control. You know, however, amid all these, you know, downs that he could go through, you know, I'd like you to notice something, something about Joseph. You know, one of the things that impressed me about Joseph is this. Joseph didn't allow or wallow, wallow, wallow in self-pity because, you know, instead he took responsibility and he made the best out of the negative situation that he was in. And we were told that when he was sold to Potiphar to work as a slave, you know what? Joseph made the best of his situation. He worked hard at Potiphar's house. You know, he had a good attitude. And soon what happened? Potiphar took notice and he promoted him to be the manager of his household. And here is another lesson that we can learn from Joseph. And that is, you know, God can open doors and make ways for us, even in slavery, if we continue to give our best in any given situation in life. You see, our responsibility and our response in any given particularly negative situations in life is never to give up, but to continue to be responsible in all that we do. And as we do that, you know what? God will do his part. God will always have a way of providing for his servant, like Joseph, like what he did to Joseph. But you know, Joseph's joy and happiness, however, was short-lived. You see, Satan will not allow God's children, you know, that much peace. He will only allow us so much peace before he tries to disrupt, disrupt our lives again. And so this is what happened. One day, you know, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. And when she couldn't seduce Joseph, you know, she accused Joseph of attempted rape. And when Potiphar, the husband, heard about it, he was so full of rage that without even finding out what the truth was, he threw Joseph into prison. And so we see again, you know, a second time, Joseph found himself in life reversal. You know, again, as an innocent victim and his life situation completely reversed overnight. The first time, you know, his brother's jealousy and resentment caused him to be sold as a slave. This second time, a woman's lust and resentment had placed him in the prison. You know, when Joseph was in prison, Potiphar's wife assumed that she had gotten even. But what she didn't know was this, that God has a plan for Joseph's life. And that God was using her treachery and her deceit to bring it to past. Now, here's what happened next. You know, we were told that one day Joseph met the chief cupbearer and the chief baker of Pharaoh's household in the prison. 
And we were told that both of them had been thrown into prison because they had done something to anger Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And then we were told that one night, both of them had dreams. And it was so vivid that they couldn't understand what the dreams were. And when Joseph heard about it, Joseph helped them and he interpreted the dreams. And we were told that Joseph's interpretation of the dreams eventually came to pass. What happened was this, that the chief cupbearer was eventually restored to his position, but the chief baker was sentenced to death. However, when the chief cupbearer was restored to his position, you know what? He forgot all about Joseph. And importantly, he forgot to tell the king, Pharaoh, all about Joseph's case. Now, here's another important lesson that we can learn from Joseph's experience, and that is, you know, sometimes, sometimes people will forget about us once they have arrived. Sometimes people will forget about us one, they have made use of us, of what we have to give to them. You know, but remember this, people will forget us. But remember this, God will never forget us. God remembers. If we forget how we have made it. God always has a way of making people remember us. And that was what exactly happened to the next episode in Joseph's story. We were told that one night, one night the king of Pharaoh the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, you know, he had a dream, you know, and it disturbed him because he didn't understand. He dreamt of seven fat cows, you know, grazing by the Nile River, and then seven thin cows came up and swallowed up the fat cows. The thin, thin cows, after eating the fat cows, became just as thin. They were not fatter even. And then he saw seven plum ears of grain growing on the same stalk. Then another seven years of thin grain, you know, they spread up and consumed the seven plum grains. And so Pharaoh was confused what, about all, what this dream was all about. And so he demanded for someone to interpret his dreams, but no one in his kingdom could interpret. And that was where the cupbearer remembered Joseph. And he promptly told Pharaoh about Joseph and Pharaoh immediately, you know, summoned Joseph to his presence. And Joseph interpreted the dream for Pharaoh and told him that the cows and the grains in his dream meant the same thing. And that is, there will be seven years of abundant harvest followed by seven years of famine. You know, after giving the dream interpretation, Joseph also advised Pharaoh to appoint someone to oversee the years of abundance so that, you know, when they have all that plenty food, they can store up, reserve it, you know, to keep it for the time of famine. Pharaoh was so impressed. He was so impressed by Joseph that he promoted him immediately to be the prime minister, second in command and in power only to him. And he gave Joseph the immediate task to be in charge of Operation Grain Safe. You know, we were told that the famine finally came just as Joseph had interpreted. And the famine not only affected the land of Egypt, but it affected the whole of the ancient Mediterranean world. And then back in Canaan, where Joseph's family was living, we were told that sometime during the second year of the famine, Joseph's father, Jacob, you know, saw that the supply of their family's grain stock was running low due to the famine. And so he instructed his sons to take some money, go to Egypt to buy some grain as he heard there was plenty of grains in Egypt. You know, I can imagine, 
I can imagine in my mind, you know, right now, one day Joseph was just standing at a storehouse. And then when suddenly at a distance, you know, he saw a caravan approaching. And then as he looked intently, he saw familiar faces. And immediately he recognized that it was his brothers. And I can imagine before Joseph could react to anything, his brothers not recognizing him because he was all in his regal attire. They came down immediately and when they saw him, they bowed before his feet. You know, as his brothers bowed before Joseph, and I can imagine you know, Joseph suddenly remembering the dream that he had earlier, the, the 11 sheaves and the 11 stars bowing down before him. You know, here is another important lesson that we can learn from this episode of Joseph. And that is, if one is a child of God, one don't have to worry about revenge or vengeance. You know, you know why? Because at a time and at a place where we least expect it, God will bring those who try to destroy us, who laugh at us, who mock at us, those who persecute us to our very feet. But the best of all is this. The best of all for Joseph was yet to come. You see, at first, Joseph pretended not to know his brothers. And so after he questioned his brothers, he sent them back home with the grains for their, for their father Jacob. But the grains soon ran out. And so Joseph sent, or rather Jacob sent his brothers again, you know, to Egypt. But this time they brought their youngest brother, Benjamin, who was Joseph's biological brother, back to Egypt to buy grain. And this time, you know, when Joseph met them, he invited them all for lunch. And after he had dined with them sufficiently, we were told that Joseph could not control himself anymore. And we were told that he sent all his servants out of the room. And when everybody was out of the room, this was what happened. And this is our scripture text for today in Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 to 8. Now, let me read that for you in that account. It says here, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. And so there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brother, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were so terrified at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of this entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt, come down to me. Don't delay. You know, I'm so glad that God has a plan for our lives. When we finally finishing playing, finish playing our games with one another, when we finish our politics, our scheming, our tricks, our design, I'm so glad that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And what always fascinates me about God's plan is this. 
You know, that God is able to take the evil that people design for our undoing and downfall, and then he turned it around and make everything work for our good. You know, one of the most memorable things that Joseph said to his brothers was in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And this is what it says. Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You know, I don't know what you're struggling with right now in your life. Perhaps some of you, you know, you're at the lowest point of your life because you're experiencing life reversals. You've come to a point in your life, you know, where you're so confused and puzzled by all that's happening to you and your loved ones, especially all the bad stuff. And most of all, as you ponder about all these bad stuff that have happened to you, you know, you wonder, you wonder whether God cares for you. And you wonder whether, you know, all these things that have happened for you, whether God still have a plan or purpose for you at all. Now, let me encourage you. If you're wondering about all these things, I want you to wonder no more. You know, through the life of Joseph, we learned that we have a God who cares for each of us who we call his children. But more importantly, whatever you're going through, remember that God has a plan for you and that he's working out his purposes and plans in your lives, even if it doesn't make any sense to you right now. Now, how am I sure of it? I'm sure of it because I have experienced God's plan in my life like Joseph did. You see, the illustration of that 23-year-old young man that I told you earlier in the opening of my sermon that was who was accused by the senior pastor as a prophet, as a false prophet, kicked out of that little church more than 36 years ago. You know who was that young man? Well, that young man was me. I was that young man. You know, I still could remember as if it happened yesterday. I was really shattered and broken in my spirit when that happened to me. And I have to confess to you, it was one of the darkest moments of my Christian life. I was lost and I was deeply broken inside. But you know what? At the darkest point of my Christian journey, it was a Methodist church that gave me a light for the journey. When I was hopeless and I had no community to love and encourage me, it was a Methodist church that opened her arms to welcome me and receive me through a small group of men and women. It was a Methodist church that I was nursed back to health and taught once again to love, to forgive, and to trust again. You know, looking in hindsight these 36 years, I can tell you now confidently that I can see clearly God has a plan for me. Now I can see clearly it was his hands that were guiding me all these while, you know, particularly through this very unfortunate incident that has happened in my life. And the best thing is this, what I didn't realize was then was that all these while, you know, all these while that God was guiding me to be a Methodist. But more importantly, he was raising me up to be a Methodist pastor. You know, I will not be where I am today if I had not been kicked out of that little church, if I have not been accused of being a false prophet. 
You know, I used to say that I was an accidental Methodist. Not anymore. Because I know that nothing that happens in my life is ever accidental. It is always providential. And now I declare, I am a providential Methodist. You know, if this tragic incident had not happened to me, I would not be here today to preach to all of you. Today, I can look back and say like Joseph, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You know, three years after I left that little church, the board of elders eventually found out that the senior pastor who indicted me had abused his pastoral authority over the years. And he was eventually removed from this church, not only because he had abused his pastoral uh, authority, but also because of moral failures. And those elders and leaders who had not spoken up for me then, you know, eventually apologized to me when they realized the truth. About 12 years ago, I providentially bumped into the senior pastor, you know, and I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to arrange a meeting with him. You see, what God wanted me to do was this. Although I had forgiven him long ago, I felt that God wanted me to release a personal word of forgiveness to him. And that was what I did. You know, church, I'm so glad that God has a plan for our lives. And so let me encourage you that no matter what you're going through right now, remember that nothing that ever happens in your life, especially the bad things that you're going through right now, is ever accidental. You see, God, the God that we love, the God that we serve, cares for each and every one of us. And His providential hands is always upon us. And remember also that there's nothing that happens in your life, especially the bad stuff that God cannot use to fulfill his plans and purposes in your life. Now, I know that it may not make sense to you right now what you are going through. But I want to remember, I want you to remember this, that God is good. As Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And so my brothers and sisters, let me say this again. Don't you ever give up in trusting God because God still has a plan and purpose for you amid all these bad things that has happened to you that you do not understand. What he needs for you right now is simply this, is to continue to trust in him. Trust in him, especially when he says in his word in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. This is what God says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So my friends, you just hang on there. You keep on trusting. And as you do that, May God show his grace and his mercy to you. Amen.